Chapter Sixteen of Just As I Am. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Just As I Am by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter Sixteen. I must be behind the age. Oh, you here, Morton! exclaimed Miss Blake, rising with an agitated air at her nephew's entrance. Yes, my dear aunt. How do you do, Sir Nathaniel? I heard my aunt was driving into Highclere, and I fancied she might be coming to see Lady Ritherdon. I thought you would spend the rest of the afternoon with Dulcie, said his aunt. Dulcie had had enough of the hothouses by four o'clock, so I put her into her pony carriage and rode over here. I want a little quiet talk with Sir Nathaniel when you've quite done with him. Why should you not talk before me, Morton? I think I know what you want to talk about. It is a subject that concerns me as nearly as it does you. Cannot you trust me, Morton? I don't know. I feel sometimes as if I could trust no one, as if I were surrounded by smooth-faced traitors. What is the meaning of this memorial, Sir Nathaniel, and why have you signed it? Surely if that man is guilty he deserves to die. There was never a more brutal murder. There was never a fitter subject for the gallows. Oh, well, he is old and broken down, faltered Sir Nathaniel. Is that any reason he should be spared? What is his wretched remnant of existence when weighed against my father's prime of life, full of hope and gladness and benevolent thoughts and deeds? Blood for blood, a life for a life. That's the divine law which Christ came to fulfil and not to destroy. Oh, Christ forgave the penitent thief, and this man is penitent, pleaded Dora Blake. The only pardon his penitence can deserve is a pardon beyond the grave. Sir Nathaniel, I want to know whether this memorial was your idea. Oh, it was not. Sir Everard Courtney was the man who started it. I thought as much. Sir Everard has taken a philanthropic view of this business from the outset. He has shown a scrupulous desire to avoid the shedding of blood. My dear Blake, it is natural for you to feel strongly upon this subject, but you must consider that there is a growing prejudice against capital punishment. I wish there was a growing prejudice against murder, said Morton gloomily. What was it you feared might be in the council's mind when he asked Sir Everard those extraordinary questions about his wife? Sir Nathaniel hesitated and looked nervously at Miss Blake. Come, Sir Nathaniel, be frank with me. You were my father's friend. Oh, everybody who knew your father was his friend. Yet the council suggested that he might have had a secret enemy, and the drift of his examination tended to show that Sir Everard Courtney might have been that enemy. Sir Nathaniel, Aunt Dora, for God's sake do not try to keep me in the dark upon this subject if your knowledge can enlighten me. My father had been Lady Courtney's suitor before her marriage, so much Sir Everard admitted. Do you know if there was any jealousy in Sir Everard's mind after his marriage? Do you know if he had any reason for resentment? I never heard such an idea hinted, said Sir Nathaniel decidedly. So far as I know, Lady Courtney's character was spotless. 
what was it then that you feared might be in the council's mind when he questioned sir everard well it occurred to me during the hunt on the day before poor blake's death that he and sir everard were not quite so friendly in their manner to each other as they had usually been there was something that looked like a tacit avoidance on both sides remember blake that this may have been only a fancy on my part hmm, possibly yet it is a circumstance to be remembered morton cried miss blake turning her pale perturbed face to her nephew with a look of tender entreaty oh, for dulcie's sake for your own shut your mind against these vague suspicions you cannot suppose that sir everard courtenay the man you have long known and respected your father's old college friend was in any manner implicated in that cruel murder why does he try to save the murderer's life that is an act of common humanity oh, i must be behind the age said morton bitterly i am sadly wanting in christian-like compassion for my father's murderer come aunt dora sir nathaniel has frankly stated his opinion about lady courtenay you were silent just now are you of the same opinion did you know anything in my father's lifetime of relations between him and lady courtenay which would have been likely to disturb sir everard's peace nothing then i am justified in believing that mr tomplin's suggestions had no better foundation than a prurient imagination assuredly mr tomplin could know nothing thank god oh for dulcie's sake yes for dulcie's sake do you suppose i would willingly give my mind to any suspicion that involved her father Yet doubts have forced themselves upon me doubts that have made me miserable last night i heard it suggested that the man who murdered my father was on horseback a horseman who followed him after the hunt and now to-day this woman comes to me with her assertion of her father's innocence and with an air of truth about her that has impressed me in spite of myself oh, such a belief is only natural in a daughter said miss blake true and shafto jeb's idea about the horseman may be mere folly he is the kind of man who likes to originate some startling theory i've been so worried about this matter that i'm afraid i left dulcie rather hurriedly i'll ride over to fairview good-bye sir nathaniel and don't wait dinner for me auntie he left without waiting for another word mounted his horse and started at a sharp trot for osthorpe full of tender thoughts about dulcie he fancied that he had been careless neglectful of her during her visit to the manor-house and he was eager to make amends oh, my sweet dulcie and to think that my father once loved her mother there seems a fatality in it but i will not believe that my father could act dishonourably that having tried his chance and lost it he would give his rival cause for jealousy no everybody tells me that he was frank and open-hearted true as steel such a man could never have stooped to treachery End of chapter 16